Well, if you're a Stanford fan, if you're a Stanford football fan, I can't think of any bigger or better Valentine's Day gift for you than going one-on-one with Stanford football head coach David Shaw. It's the TreeCast. Who loves you? <laughs> February 14th, 2022. This is the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Podcast Network. We are so glad to have you with us. I'm Troy Clarity. Hi, how you doing? If you love the show, then, then the show loves you right back. And I can't think of a bigger way to help prove that than by bringing to you a chat, another one. He's done this a few times with us. Stanford football head coach David Shaw coming up on his 12th year running the show for uh, Stanford football. Obviously, his 11th year, very challenging in so many different ways. What are some things that Stanford learned from that whole experience? What are some things that Coach Shaw learned from that whole experience? And what can those lessons tell us about what we could see from Stanford starting on September 3rd in the season opener against Colgate? We'll pose those questions and more to David Shaw coming up a bit later on in the show. Plus three things you need to know around Stanford Athletics. The weather actually heated up a bit last week here in the Bay Area, but uh, Stanford uh, uh, Stanford Athletics uh, competition getting hot and heavy as well, especially as the spring sports uh, start to get going. So we'll give you the inside scoop on those things when we give you three things you need to know around Stanford Athletics. Great to have you with us. A quick introduction if you're new to the show. Hi. How are you? I'm Troy Clarity. Been doing this show since the 2015 season. We were we've been on the Believe Podcast Network for coming up on two complete calendar years now, and we've covered a lot of ground during those two years. As for me in Stanford Athletics, this is 29th year, my 29th year of following Stanford sports. I'm also in the middle of my eighth year of play-by-play on the Pac-12 Network calling eight different sports, and by this time next week, you'll be able to make it nine. Looking forward to making my Pac-12 wrestling play-by-play debut uh, next Saturday when Oregon State uh, comes down to Stanford for a meet at Maples Pavilion. So an honor to back the pack on the conference level, and obviously so much fun to be able to uh, cover Stanford sports and do it like nobody else does in the podcast space. We are certainly very proud of that. If you haven't yet, do a couple of things for me, please. Give me the follow on Twitter, at Troy Clarity. The last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y, at Troy Clarity, the way to follow me on Twitter. And uh, even though we're still in our irregular subscribing, uh, scheduling mode, rather, uh, you can still subscribe to the show. Do it via your favorite listening app. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Alexa, anywhere you want to go. We've got you covered on the TreeCast. So subscribe, and anytime a new show pops up, which this time of year could come at any time, we will be right there for you here on the TreeCast. Three things in just a moment, but first, football might be over for this season, but yes, basketball is in full steam for both pro and college. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the fire to where the next fire coach is going to land bet online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs head over to the website or use your mobile devices to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit just use the promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v to get started and it's not just basketball 
hockey, boxing, UFC odds, Olympic coverage, everything that you could possibly need in your va- your favorite Vegas casino games as well. Bet online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet online, where the game starts. Three things you need to know around Stanford athletics. A great place to start is number one. Well, let's start with Stanford women's hoops as the Cardinal are still unbeaten in Pac-12 play as we hit mid-February. They went 12, they went to 12-0 on Sunday with the win over Colorado. Buffs actually led at the half, 30-29, but then Stanford, with that suffocating defense, only allowed CU to score five points in the third quarter, and the card got the 63-46 win. Boy, Cameron Brink just continues to come up big game in and game out. 11 points and 11 rebounds. That's another double-double for her. Lexi Hall leading all Stanford scores with 14 points. And the Cardinal, as mentioned, an unblemished 12-0 in Pac-12 play and 21-3 overall. Up next, a trip to Corvallis to meet the Beavers on Friday. And on Sunday afternoon, the Ducks await in Eugene, Oregon in second place behind Stanford in the Pac-12. But they're at 9-4, and four, so a somewhat comfortable lead, but certainly Stanford would love to keep that separation and even add on to it uh, with the result over Oregon on Sunday. As of right now, the Cardinal a cut above in the conference. Can they keep it that way? Heading into the Pac-12 tournament down in Vegas as March begins? We'll find out. Let's move on to number two. The Sanford men's basketball is coming off a road split with the Oregon schools, a 68-60 loss to Oregon to open up the trip up north. Then the card rebounded with a 76-65 win at Corvallis. Beavers, well, what happened to them? They were an Elite 18 last year. It was woeful this year. Yikes. Uh, Harrison Ingram with 16 points, 9 assists, 6 boards against Oregon State. We could probably give him the Pac-12 Freshman of the Year award right now. Stanford head coach Jared Haas breaking it down afterwards. Offensively today, I thought we were pretty efficient. The turnovers are still higher than I want. We were great on the boards, especially in the second half, and I think that was a, a important factor is our shooting percentage largely because we were getting some, some offensive boards. Um, defensively, overall, I was probably disappointed, especially end of the game. I think they scored on their last eight possessions, but we did have a lead. Um, but again, I think this was more of a culture game for us that um, we were fighting as a team, playing as a team, understanding we had to do it as a group, especially with Michael out. Um, so we feel great going back home. That's Jared Haas. He mentioned no Michael O'Connell as he missed the game against Oregon State with a sprained ankle. Now, with that result, the card wrapped up a stretch in which they played eight games in 17 days. Went four and four during that stretch. Stanford hosts the Mountain Schools this week. It's a Thursday-Saturday slate. Hey, imagine that. Remember that was the the exception rather than remember that was the rule rather uh, than the exception. Uh, it's the final homestand of the regular season as the Cardinal 15 and 10 overall, eight and seven, and in seventh place in Pac-12 play. Man, that uh, game down in Tucson on March uh, 3rd against Arizona would be a great chance to open up some eyes heading into the Pac-12 tournament. Let's wrap up three things with number three. And it's felt like spring in the Bay Area the past week. So it, it seems fitting that Stanford spring sports are on the way. And in some cases, they're already underway. 
Let's start with Stanford softball looking to approve on its NCAA tournament season from last year. Got off to a good start down at the SDSU season kickoff down in San Diego. Cardinal going 4-1 with wins over Middle Tennessee, San Diego State, Illinois, Chicago, and Cal Poly with a lone loss coming to Boise State. Alana Vodder and uh, Reagan Krause leading the way in the pitcher circle. Emily Young and Sidney Huff with hot bats all weekend. Stanford begins an 11-game homestand this week. Women's lacrosse went back east over the weekend to begin its season. The Pac-12 champs dropping a tough one at number three Syracuse, 14-12. But then they bounced back came back and then held off Albany for a 15-14 win. Shout out to women's gymnastics as uh, they beat UCLA for the first time in a dual meet in six years. Kyla, Bryant, Kyla Bryant's floor routine clinching the win at the very end. Man, that was, a, that was a fun event to be a part of at Maples. And Stanford baseball gets going this week. Cardinal coming off its College World Series appearance last year and looking for more this year. Stanford picked to win the Pac-12 by the conference coaches. They'll be led by guys like Brock Jones, Andrew Bowser, and don't forget the Pac-12 baseball tournament is a thing this year. It'll be in late May down in Scottsdale. So all the spring sports either starting up or already heating up. Good times. Those are three things. We'll be joined by Stanford football head coach David Shaw in just a moment. But first, this note. What's more important than peace of mind? Well, nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you are online. And with all the threats that you face today on the internet, it's more important than ever to make sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either. And plans start at under $4 per month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com believe or use the code believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. All right, the Super Bowl is in the books, but that doesn't mean that football season is over. Heck, football season never ends. We've just completely moved to the off-field portion of it. It's long been the case in college football after the national championship game wrapped up just over a month ago. And the grind already in progress for Stanford football as it gets ready for the 2022 season. And leading the charge for Stanford as it prepares for the season ahead, it is always great to welcome him into the show as a very special guest, the Bradford M. Freeman Director of Football, the one and only David Shaw. Coach, thanks a bunch as always. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Another beautiful day in Palo Alto. Yes, indeed. They're all great. Actually, the last few days have felt more like May than February, so we'll certainly take that um, here in the Bay Area. Um, I remember the week of uh, Notre Dame. It was our last chance to chat during the season last year, and uh, I asked you what your to-do list was for, for the upcoming offseason that we are, of course, in the middle of right now, and you kind of chuckled and said, hey, the, the list is as long as you think it is, and, and we're going to do a deep dive on structure and process. What sort of things, as you guys got your game plan going for, for the offseason, uh, as you looked at the process and the structure, what sort of things came out of that deep dive? 
Well, um, before that deep dive, uh, and I'll, I'll be very open with you, tell you exactly what I told the staff, tell you exactly what I told our players, is that I was approaching this offseason like I was a new head coach. Right. Starting first and foremost with what do I believe in philosophy-wise? Um, what do I want to see from this football team? Uh, communicating that to the coordinators, getting their feedback, um, and then communicating that, that to the staff and that to the players. So for me, it's been a refreshing offseason, um, really kind of starting the process of saying, hey, we don't have a scheme at all. Let's put it together the way that it makes sense for us. I mean, it makes sense for our players. What, what skill sets do our guys have? What fits them best? Um, and then what do we, and then matching that with our philosophy. Um, it's been, it's been exciting for me. Um, it's been exciting for the staff. We're going to put some things together and I think we're in a good spot right now um, to kind of field test some things in a couple of weeks, a week after next for uh, or, or next week for, for spring football um, and start to put this thing together in such a way that we are using our players uh, best abilities um, and saying within what we believe in philosophy wise. Yeah, obviously the philosophy has been, it seems over the years, or certainly the identity and the branding has been uh, the intellectual brutality, the run game, pound and ground and, and put up you know, 19 linemen up on the, on, on the line of the scrimmage and just maul you and just lean on you and just push you over until you eventually fall over. We haven't seen a lot of that, I think, for various reasons over the last uh, couple of years. And, and some folks seem to be still kind of wedded to, you know, Stanford being, you know, just that that mauling type team, that intellectual brutality type team. And they haven't seen it the last couple of years. And they might be kind of wondering what's going on here. What do you make of of Stanford football and, and intellectual brutality and how those two uh, have been married and what the relationship could be for this upcoming year between the two? So what I've learned over the years is that. Two things I'm not ever going to be um, restrained by. Um, number one is our previous success. Um, I can't let that restrain us. And number two, other people's expectations. So um, as I've learned to let those things go, right? In the middle of KJ Costello having the second best passing year in the history of Stanford football, right? Including Plunkett and Elway and, and all these guys. Um, everyone just kept saying, well, where's the running game? And I'm like, do you see what's happening out there? Like, this is the best, the second best passing season in the history of Stanford football. When J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is having a phenomenal year, we keep getting asked and answered questions about the running game. So for me, it's really about what does this team do well? And when I say philosophically, I mean philosophically run, philosophically pass, philosophically how are we going to do those things um, in such a way that fits our guys? Um, so. But what I also like to remind people of, which it looks great on the outsides and you look at some statistics, we were a very balanced football team until middle of the third quarter um, for most of those games. And we had a streak, gosh, my first couple of years, multiple streaks where we were beating people by two and three touchdowns. So that's where a lot of that ground and pound came from. You know, the last quarter and a half, just really putting the games away and shortening the games. Whereas when you watch the previous two and a half quarters, we're an empty, we're in five receivers, we're packing it back in, bringing the big guys back in. We were very multiple um, in the way that we did those things. Um, what has happened in the last few years is we haven't had those leads. We've had to play really tighter games. Uh, we've had to be in those positions to where, hey, we need, uh, we need to move the ball. We need first downs. We're down by whatever. Uh, we're down by four. We're down by three. We're up by three. We're up by five. Um, and that ability to 
run the game out when you're up by by a lot or by a little. Um, it's difficult um, to be able to run the ball when you're down by three or four or seven or ten. Um, those second halves, you can't do that. So for us, um, I can't worry about what monikers people want to put on it, which is great. You know, I love intellectual brutality. Um, we need obviously need to be better at running the football than we were a year ago. We did not do it very well. We need to improve on the offensive line. Um, I'm excited about where we are at the running back position moving forward. Um, so putting those things together in a way that makes sense for the guys that we have is still what's more important. What was the turning point of last season for you? Oh, no question about it. Arizona State. Um, and I will say even the the back-to-back -back games of Oregon and Arizona State to where the first couple of the first game, we were still feeling ourselves out. Kansas State played really well. We made too many mistakes to keep sustaining that game. Came back and came back and played a heck of a game against USC. Still, I thought we're growing. We could have played much better. We 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 let that game stay closer than it even should have been. Um, and then you go through UCLA, it's there, and then you come back, and now in the Vanderbilt game, but have an unbelievable game against Oregon, um, a great finish, and still looking at that Oregon game to say, gosh, we're still missing a lot. We could have won that game by two touchdowns. Um, but we showed resilience. We showed playmaking ability. Our young quarterback um, showed the ability to make plays. Elijah Higgins coming in after without Mike being there, and then, um, losing uh, uh, Bryson Tremaine and Elijah coming up and making big plays and John Humphreys coming up making big plays. I mean, it just like, it was so like on the verge of the crescendo. And then you have a short week to go play uh, an Arizona State team on the road who was a veteran team. You looked at that roster and it's one thing that made me nervous. You looked at that roster. You saw senior, senior, fifth year senior, sixth year senior. And I'm looking at our roster, who I believe was at the very least as talented as that Arizona State team, if not maybe slightly more talented, but lacked the experience. And that's what that, a lot of that game came down to, which was made a lot of big plays, 200-yard receivers, quarterback that threw for a bunch, felt like we really couldn't be stopped except for we crossed the 50 and we make a mistake, they don't. We make a mistake, they don't. You know, they're them on the offensive side. Defensively, we started playing a started playing really, really well, really tough. Mm -hmm. Veteran quarterback scramble. Veteran quarterback, you know, avoids the sack and gets rid of the ball, right? Uh, making those smart decisions and then making some big time plays. So for me, that emotional high versus an emotional low and not having the maturity on our team, um, me not being able to get the guys back because we never came back to that same level we had at Oregon. That Arizona State loss was really, really difficult. Um, then we had a couple of injuries, but I think it was really trying to get the team back to truly believing in that team that played against USC and played against Oregon, that we can have that again. Um, and then once Tanner got hurt and came back and wasn't 100%, a lot of those things were, were just hard to get back on track. Um, but at the same time, I look at who we have and who we have coming back and really putting those lessons out there for our guys and not keeping it from them and, and letting them feel it like our lack of the ability to bounce back. We still practice great. We still played hard, um, but I don't think that height of belief in who we are and that our way is going to win 
never truly came back. And I put that a lot on myself and our coaching staff um, to really focus on, you know, some of the non-football things um, for our guys because um, every good team is going to hit that difficult spot. And we have to be prepared for it. We've got to be able to bounce back from it. Um, and, uh, and we never did. I think that's the reason why we had the lead against Washington State and Washington and just couldn't close those games out. Um, so I think a year older for our guys, a lot of guys coming back, a lot of lessons learned from those games. And I sense the desire from our guys that have said it too, like they can't wait to get back in those positions and finish those games. Um, cause those, those two games get flipped. Hey, you might have a little momentum to finish the season out. Um, and maybe we fight a little bit harder and a little bit better, a little bit smarter against Utah. I mean, we fight a little harder, better against the Notre Dame team. Um, that were both very talented physical teams. Um, and and the, 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 I'll finish with this. The parallel I made, too, is Utah had that difficult moment early in their season. They had to make a decision on who they were going to be, right, change quarterbacks, change some philosophy on the offensive side. Um, Notre Dame, they got, they got hit in the mouth early in their season. They had to make a decision on how they were going to handle it, and both those teams – uh, rose from there. And so that's, that's a great lesson for our coaches and our staff. So we lost to real two really good football teams, but those good football teams, they had their Arizona, Arizona state game early in their year too. Um, so now being able to anticipate that we're going to have a difficult game, even if we win it, whether we win it or lose it, there's going to be that tough moment in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the next season and our ability to bounce back from that and regroup from that and play better from that um, is the challenge. How much easier is it to make those decisions when you already know who your QB1 is going to be, unlike the situation that appeared to be last year with Tanner McKee uh, running the show? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, it's so much better, so much easier. Um, and Tanner's earned that. And um, I heard the flack from people, too, that I should have just given them the job. Um, but I'm not in favor of giving guys the jobs they hadn't earned. And he was close to earning but hadn't earned it. And he earned it in that Kansas State game. And I think when you earn something, you appreciate it. And the guys around you respond to you because they watched you earn it. And I'll still say this, Jack West had, had a great training camp. Nobody saw it, right? Practices are closed. Jack had a great training camp. Jack got votes for captain on our team. It's how great his, his training camp was. Um, but Tanner won, won the job and, and earned that job. And now going into it, knowing you know, Tanner's a year better, had a lot of lessons learned. Um, coming into the season, knock on wood, hopefully we can be as healthy, um, healthier than we've been in a while um, because everyone saw it when Tanner was healthy and Bryson Tremaine was healthy and Elijah Higgins was healthy and uh, John was healthy. You saw Bryce Farrell making plays. Um, yeah, ben Urosik, we believe, jumped on the screen, uh, jumped on the scene as far as our conference is concerned. We believe he's going to jump on the scene nationally. Uh, as one of the top tight ends in America. And then, oh, by the way, you get Michael Wilson back, right? So now when all those guys are healthy and our quarterback is a year older, man, that's an exciting group. That's an exciting group. And, and the, the teasers that we had throughout the course of the year with EJ Smith, you know, he missed some games with an injury, but he was just coming along. That run he made against uh, Vanderbilt, where he cut back and jumped over a guy. We were like, okay, here it comes. And then he gets hurt the next play and misses some time. Um, Casey Filkins, 
Um, you know, just every time he touched the ball, did a lot of explosive things. And then he got hurt and missed the rest of the year. But at the time he got hurt, I think he was, if not one, either one or two leading the, the, the conference in punt returns. So here's a return man who's also an out, a dynamic runner um, that uh, just all those guys we talked about. I mean, I mean, we're, we're salivating. Uh, if we can stay healthy uh, to really put some really exciting stuff out there on the field. Of course, so much depends on what happens up front. And I'll extend this to the other side of the ball as well. Uh, as you see it right now, as we talk in mid-February, uh, your state of things on both the offensive line and the defensive line as well. Well, that's that's the biggest challenge. That's the biggest challenge. And we're not going to shy away from that whatsoever. And our guys up front don't want to shy away from that. And I think we've got great leadership um, on our offensive line. Um, you know, Drake Nugent has come along uh, as a center, had a really good year. Um, we believe uh, Branson Bragg has a chance to be a special uh, special guard. Um, uh, Walter Rouse um, kind of had a tough offseason last year with a lot of injuries and came into the year. And we believe that his 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 play is going to truly rise. And we think Miles Hinton has a chance to be special as well. And there's going to be great competition all all throughout our inside um, inside of our offensive line. So I think one thing we didn't have last year was a competition. Like we had a group of older guys, we had some guys that weren't healthy and we had five guys we knew were going to start. And thankfully, um, Jake Hornerbrook came along, uh, came out better. So now we are able to have at least six guys now that could rotate in and play. But we anticipate there being a lot of competition. Um, there are things that we have cut out from our game um, to really focus on certain things so we can see that, that improvement. We expect to see that improvement this spring, not just waiting for the training camp. Expect to see that this spring. Um, we're going to put the pressure on those guys uh, to perform at a level that uh, we believe they're capable of. Um, and that's, that's, that's going to be the charge. And we're excited about what we have, excited about what our guys are going to do, but we're going to put the pressure on them uh, to get better and improve. Um, more questions on the, defensive, on the defensive line. You know, we shifted our front a little bit towards the end of the year. Um, was I think played into our guys' hands a little bit better. Um, there's some things that I think we're looking at doing that I think fit our guys pretty well, but there's going to be some great competition um, on the defensive line, including a couple of young freshmen coming in. They're going to have the ability right away to, to compete for playing time. Um, but we've got guys that want it, guys that are excited, guys that are unheralded, um, and uh, nobody's saying their names right now. Uh, so there's a motivation to, to play at that level. But I think around the defensive line, We've got a lot of experience, um, a lot of guys coming back. And Stephen Heron has played a lot of football for us. Um, our linebacking core is exciting. Back-to-back um, -back years, Devontae DeMooney uh, led us in tackles um, and did it in a way where he was never really healthy after probably week five the whole year. Um, Ricky Miazon was banged up as well. Jacob Mago Ferrar was banged up. But we have three guys that I think are our top flight inside linebackers and then here's Tristan Sinclair who's played a lot for us over the years who he was another one that for a while he missed all the all the time early in the season and then for a while he was the only healthy linebacker we had for a while so that whole group has been beaten up but the veteran experience that we have uh, to help those young guys up front um, to hold them accountable but at the same time to go out there and make plays um, I'm, I'm excited about our front and, you know, our, our edge guys bringing in a young David Bailey, who, um, you know, we haven't had a lot of guys with that athletic ability 
Um, we're excited to get him going. And Aaron Armitage, you know, played a little bit last year. We're excited about him going. On the, uh, and, and not to mention another guy that we had um, uh, that was on set to play a big role for us as a freshman last year. He got the injury bug as well, and that's Wilfredo Abar. So we've got a lot of guys that we think are highly, highly recruited, highly talented, highly talented, um, that we've had some injury issues. We can keep those guys healthy. Um, it's got a chance to be a really, really good stout front seven. Yeah, some class of 21 recruiting guys uh, finally getting their chance here in 22 and some maybe some class of 22 or two guys as well, which brings us to this year's incoming recruiting class, which by all accounts, one of the better ones, if not the very best one uh, in the Pac-12, not easy to pull off for a lot of different reasons, I'd imagine. Uh, given how the season went on the field, given how the landscape of college football has changed, given how the landscape of everything we do has changed. How different was this recruiting cycle in particular? It was very different um, with all the rule, all the changes, all the insanity that's going on right now. Uh, and, and in the midst of a very difficult unstanford like season, um, we're able to find a group of guys that believe in what we're doing, that believe in the school first and foremost, that this is a special place to come and be a student. Um, but then also to believe in the division of the football program and to get to know each other and see that this group really could impact uh, Sanford football for years to come, not just this year, which some of these guys are going to get a chance to play. Um, but, but this group, has, it's an exciting group. And when you look at, you know, our struggles we had in the front seven to bring in, I mean, multiple top flight uh, edge guys, right? We just talked about David Bailey, um, Ernest Cooper, um, has a chance to be a special, special football player as well. Um, and uh, Teva uh, Tafiti is another one that just, these are physical, athletic guys that have a chance to be special. Um, our tight end group, you talk about Stanford tight ends, mm -hmm. right? Um, CJ Hawkins, I keep getting these highlight videos from him playing basketball. He's one of the best basketball players in his area, uh, dunking on everybody. Here's a guy who's six, five plus, who's also a physical blocker and an athletic freak. Um, but then Sam's already on campus right now. Um, Sam Roush, and he is that physical Dalton Schultz, Jimmy Dre, um, physical at the line of scrimmage blocker, but also just athletic in space. I and mean, he's already 245 pounds as a, as a basically a guy that should be finishing his freshman year. Um, so, I mean, we, we feel like we've got possibly the best group of edge rushers uh, in one class on top of the best tight end class uh, in America um, and in loving our defensive back. So this group, our, our offensive line, if they, you want these, as soon as these guys all walk in together, I mean, they look like college seniors, not like incoming freshmen. Um, so uh, this group is so exciting. Um, and, and they're going to, they're going to be big names to hear from Sanford football for the, for the next few years. Recruiting is so important, but I would imagine that, especially in this day and age, retention is becoming more and more important with the transfer portal being what it is. And let's face it, uh, the transfer portal, probably not a reliable way for Stanford to build a roster for obvious reasons. So, so given that, how much more critical is player retention for Stanford? It's vital for us because most of the guys that are in the portal right now, we can't recruit. So you lose uh, too many guys from your roster and you're not able to bring guys back in. And that's, that's truly, truly difficult. 
Um, so for us, it's we go all the way back to the recruiting process and recruiting the right guys for the right reasons. Um, recruit with honesty. Um, a lot of guys in the portal right now feel like they were misled by the recruiting process. Um, our recruiting process is very open. Um, the reason why guys choose to come to Stanford is, is football, yes, but it's more than football. Um, so the ability to come to this school, I think, helps our retention because they're not just coming for football. They're coming for football and the education. Um, not not telling guys uh, things uh, that they just want to hear. Um, letting them know on the front end that it's going to be competitive, that we have a good football team. Not going to guarantee anybody um, playing time. Um, we're going to guarantee them that by the time they walk out of here, they're going to be their best football player. Um, they're going to be their best person. They're going to be ready for the world, both both uh, in football and, and in life. Um, so as long as I think we recruit the right people for the right reasons, um, they can handle being a difficult, in a difficult situation and not feel like they need to leave to go someplace else. Um, we had Kevin Hogan come talk to the team a few years ago. And, uh, and Kevin was phenomenal in trying to relay this message over and over to guys. Kevin's freshman year, um, he was the last quarterback. He's the bottom of the barrel. Um, he tells, tells a story about you know, we, the quarterback room at the time was really small. We hadn't moved into the new facility yet. So the quarterback room was really small. His chair was actually outside the room. He had to lean in the doorway to hear the discussions, right? Uh, and he went from that to being the all-time winningest quarterback and three-time Pac-12 champion. Um, and said, so, hey, guys, don't worry about where you are. Um, work to get to where you want to be and trust the process and, and want to get coached and be told the truth and, and put the pressure on yourself, not on the coaches to play, but the pressure on yourself to make yourself uh, so good that you have to be played. So that, that mentality of, you know, Hey, if I'm not starting here, I'm just going to go someplace else. Um, I think that's that you don't see that very much at our place because our guys understand the process. They understand it's going to be competitive. And we've got, I had our first two uh, grad transfers, first two tra non-grad transfers, um, and that's just going to be part of college football from going, going on. But I think from our place, I think you'll see fewer than any other place just because of what we have off the field combined with what we have on the field. New leadership in the uh, commissioner's office up in San Francisco with George Klievkov now running the show for the Pac-12. And the Pac-12 football brand nationwide probably still not where it should be. Some of that's deserved. A lot of it probably isn't deserved. Uh, what sort of differences have you noticed so far in the approach to the Pac-12 football product from the commissioner's office over the past few months? Yeah, George has been very, very upfront. Um, he was brought in to raise the level of uh, football and men's basketball. Um, not, not to ignore the other ones, but to prioritize um, the, the two most visible sports and um, he's been upfront with that. Um, his decision-making process has included that. Um, and uh, I'm excited to see where this goes for all of us. Um, we still have to play. Um, we still have to play well, still have to play at a high level, still have to win big games, and particularly out of conference games. Um, the hard part for us that are in this conference and recognizing we are still the most competitive conference from top to bottom in America. So uh, to be a team in another conference to win you know, win your two toughest games and then, you know, you're pretty much home free to the, to the conference championship. Like, there's no two toughest games for us. You know, it's seven toughest games. Uh, you know, it's, if you're lucky, if you're nine, if not all nine are tough, uh, especially going on the road and, and people outside of our conference 
they don't understand how difficult it is to go into the Palouse and win a game, how difficult it is to go to Arizona State and win a, win a football game, how difficult it is to go to some of these road stadiums in our conference that people don't understand on the outside of our conference, um, that our teams are, are, are tight, we are competitive, um, and, and hopefully uh, we eventually get the respect that we're working for. Yeah, looking forward to that. Everyone's trying to anoint USC already as Pac-12 champs. I need to see them play defense first and see them get better in the trenches uh, going forward, except for maybe on September 10th. They can probably take, uh, hopefully take that day off. Uh, last thing for you, uh, I asked you for your to-do list going into the offseason. Uh, I'll ask you for your to-do list for the weeks ahead. What's, uh, what's, on, the what's, on, the, what's on the table for the squad uh, for the next few weeks leading up into the spring game in April? Yeah, um, fine-tuning exactly what we want from our guys. Um, recognizing that we're not putting in a whole bunch of plays. Um, we're keeping it, we're going to keep it tight. We're going to really focus on our technique, going to really focus on com uh, competition and uh, going out there and fighting every single down. Uh, we've got a couple of tweaks, um, I think, in all three phases that we're excited to see, um, but really, really playing up to Stanford level of football, which is to go out there and be physical, play fast, play together, play with your emotions and find a way to win. The run-up to September 3rd and Colgate coming to town has long since begun and Stanford already looking forward to the 2022 football season. Coach, always a pleasure. Always appreciate your time spending it with us one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. Best of luck. Best of health. Looking forward to our next chat, and we'll talk again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Trey. Always appreciate uh, David Shaw's time and uh, always glad whenever he can uh, spend some time with us going one-on-one -on -one, as he has done on numerous occasions here on the TreeCast. Further proof that if you're into Stanford sports, the TreeCast gives you things that you just can't get anywhere else. And some tidbits in that conversation, I, I, I would say, intriguing that he says he's approaching that he has approached this offseason like he's a brand new head coach coming into the program, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't, and changing a whole lot of things as part of his so-called uh, deep dive on process and structure. And he called it refreshing. And I'd imagine I'd imagine that it is. I'm looking forward to at least seeing perhaps some of those things uh, when we get deeper into spring ball. Uh, he's excited about Stanford's skill positions, both offensively and defensively as well. Hey, so am I. And I felt that way at the end of last season as well. Uh, I was very very uh, had a lot of trepidation about the the lines both offensively and defensively at the end of uh, last year and and Shaw says hey it's going to be a challenge on both sides of uh, the ball uh, in the trenches there so I certainly agree with him um, in that respect I interesting that he thought the the turning point of the season was the Arizona State game and look I knew that was going to be a very very tough ask for Stanford coming off the Oregon game one way or another to head down to Tempe and, and play that squad six days after playing Oregon knew that was going to be a tough ask no matter what and how uh, that Oregon uh, game turned out and uh, that Oregon result did not change my mind one bit and unfortunately uh, I was kind of proven right um, in that respect I personally would have gone towards the Washington State game myself after Stanford uh, coughed up that early lead and couldn't add on to the early lead that it had, even though it certainly had a lot of chances to do so and couldn't just get one first down either against the Cougs or against the Huskies either. But certainly that Arizona State game, hey, that was the one that started the losing streak. That Oregon result was Stanford's final win of the season. Uh, the transfer portal. 
that conversation was was intriguing as well. And look, there's no doubt that the transfer portal has changed Stanford's roster, especially in the running back room. Uh, Austin Jones uh, down to USC, Nathaniel Pete uh, over to Missouri. Thank both of those guys for what they brought uh, to the Stanford program and really enjoyed watching them play. Looking forward to seeing what they each do going forward. Maybe a bit less so for Austin Jones on September 10th when USC comes to Stanford. Not going to lie there. Hey, he could he could just rip it up the other uh, the other 11 games um, out of the year. But, uh, you know, some Stanford fans, quite honestly, seemed panicked about the whole transfer portal thing and other guys that, that have left Stanford uh, via the portal. But Jones and Pete uh, certainly are the two big headliners in that group. And I, I, I would have been right there with those folks, maybe. I would have been a bit more concerned about it myself, about how Stanford was faring in the transfer portal, if it was the only program that was losing guys. I mean, look, it's a fact of life these days, right? Everyone's going to lose guys to the portal. Oregon lost guys to the transfer portal. They are, they are dealing with the coaching change, to be sure, but a lot of Oregon guys went into the portal. Last guy to leave Boulder? <laughs> Turn out the lights. My God. The attrition that the, that the Buffs could suffer as a result of the portal? Nowhere near the losses that Stanford has undergone as a result of the portal. So everyone is going to is gonna lose guys. Now, of course, the issue is that Stanford is very unlikely to gain guys from the portal, which is why retention is right up there with recruiting when it comes to roster maintenance for Stanford. So, I mean, I, I, get, the, I get the concern that, that some Stanford fans seem to have. And look, it's going to be very difficult if you're looking at roster management, if you're looking at you know, winners and losers through the lens of the transfer portal. Uh, Stanford is going to be very, very hard-pressed to end up in the winner's column just, just based on, on how things work. A lot has to go right for Stanford to compete at the upper echelon, where the card have been within the past decade. The transfer portal adding to that, but you know what? That's nothing new. That's always been the case for Stanford, right? And the Cardinal have found ways to not just be competitive, but to, but to be super competitive, to bring home conference championships, even with the constraints in some respects, challenges in other respects that Stanford football has to deal with in order to be able to compete with USC. I still need to see them play defense, right? Let's not crown the Trojans just yet, okay? <laughs> so there, there, there's a lot that has to happen anyway. This is, this is, this is, nothing, you, this is nothing new to me. And you look, most of you longtime listeners know that I'm not necessarily a big recruiting guy. You know, I'm not I'm not checking out the sites every single day. Oh, he's signing. You know, uh oh, there's a decommit. You know, okay, you know, I'm, I'm not really necessarily into that. So while the experts pretty much all lauded Stanford's class, which is great and it certainly beats the alternative, I'm more interested in seeing what happens from here. Can David Shaw and crew coach him up? Can they retain players and keep them here? Because that's certainly going to be a major, major piece of the puzzle. Those are the important parts to me when it comes to Stanford and its roster management going forward. So plenty of things that uh, Coach Sean and I chatted about. Of course, I always welcome your input, your feedback, and your thoughts as well. The best way to do that is via Twitter, 
Hashtag TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast is the best way to ensure that I see what you've got on your mind about Stanford sports and about our chat with uh, David Shaw. By the way, a couple of cool things uh, coming up this week that I'm really excited uh, to be a part of. Uh, on Tuesday, February 15th, looking forward to hosting the uh, Stanford Baseball Preseason Virtual Event. That should be a lot of fun. As we uh, mentioned earlier in the show, Stanford Baseball made it to Omaha last week, last year. What can they do for an encore this year? Well, looking forward to catching up with uh, David Esker the Stanford baseball head coach, along with uh, Drew Bowser and Brock Jones and Drew Dowd, a Stanford pitcher uh, for the squad as well. Looking forward to chatting with all of them and getting their thoughts. That'll be on Tuesday evening. And I'm really honored to be a part of a Stanford Historical Society panel on Wednesday, February the 16th at 4.30 p.m. Pacific time. Road to Roses, John Ralston and the integration of Stanford football in the 60s and how the integration of Stanford football during that time probably allowed the Cardinal to draw or the Indians back in those days uh, to draw a straight line from integration to the Rose Bowl teams of the early 70s. So among the panelists, uh, former Stanford great Gene Washington, who of course obviously did some terrific things in the NFL side, both on and off the field, uh, Hillary Shockley who was part of those uh, Rose Bowl teams in the uh, early 70s and 70 and 71. And Al Wilburn, who was one of the uh, pioneers uh, in, in that department, uh, beginning his uh, Stanford football career on the varsity side in 1964. So uh, Stanford Historical Society, that event is coming up on uh, Wednesday at uh, 4.30 p.m. Pacific time. So uh, be a part of it um, if you can. Looking forward and honored to being a part of that. Always an honor to be a part and to bring you these shows. You've got thoughts on them, of course. Hashtag TreeCast me. Uh, and, of course, subscribe, rate, and review the show. I always welcome that as well. We are in our irregular posting schedule, so we'll come at you some point down the road next time. I would think at some point, certainly in March, because we'll have some, some postseason basketball to talk about. Certainly NCAA tournament-wise on the women's side. On the men's side, who knows? Let's see if they can make a push. But the next... Uh, TreeCast that comes your way, the best way to know that you are in the loop is to subscribe. That's the best thing you can do. Our thanks again to Stanford football head coach David Shaw for joining us on the program. And the biggest thanks, as always, goes to you for listening, for subscribing, for checking out the show, for rating and reviewing, for, and for telling other folks about it. We always appreciate all of those things. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay sane, and keep doing what you need to be doing so we can get rid of this COVID thing. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for being with us here on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Podcast Network.